Hey everybody, thanks for joining us on the Wide Blue Line. I am Brian. And I'm Tom. And we're just two ordinary citizens who are tired of listening to the polarized narratives being offered about policing in America. So we decided it was time to get the real story of what it's like to serve and protect. We see the news stories. We hear the sound bites. But few of us know what it's really like to serve behind the badge. Welcome to the Wide Blue Line a podcast where we tell the real-life stories of the men and women of the Central Point Police Department as they strive to serve and protect their community and remain open, transparent, and inclusive in an ever-changing world. What actually makes a good detective? Sure. You know, not according to Hollywood, yeah. but, but real-life skills that you think, these are what you need if you want to do CID work. The road cop. A rogue detective doesn't exist. You'd be, <laughs> right. <laughs> you'd be fired immediately. Um, but some of the the idea behind that, that kind of thinking outside the box, um, being willing to try different approaches and ideas and things, that, that part of it is true. The biggest part of being a detective is talking to people. So if you don't have an ability to reach people with words uh, or ability to talk, Relation, you're not, relational yeah, skills, you're not right? going to get very far. Welcome back to another episode of the Wide Blue Line. This is Tom and Yep, this is Brian. I'm excited to be here. Good. I'm excited you're here too. We have our friend and uh, incredible podcast co-host, Detective Josh with us. How's it going, Super guys? Josh with his deep voice. <laughs> right, right. Oh, okay. <laughs> but today, uh, other than just highlighting his amazing voice, we are going to really get to the bottom of what it means to be a detective. Sure. Um, like the, the, the delineation, I right. think, the, to be the, the clarity on that, like detective versus other type of officer. I don't think a lot of us know the differences. Right. I want to get into that. I want to get into what's the difference between a TV detective or movie detective and a real life detective. (laughs) You know, how dirty and grimy is the job? All that kind of stuff that somebody like me will never know unless we get this incredible opportunity. So thank you for being here. Yeah, thank you. Well, to get right into it, I think a good starting place, like Brian said, is kind of differentiate between the different roles and titles in the police department. Yeah, um, is is there a formal hierarchy? Yeah, basically? like like mm-hmm. we hear words, chief and captain and right. officer and detective. And for those of us that don't work in this field, like what does that mean? Sure. So yeah, those are all. Um, there is. It's similar to the the military in that you have um, you start out with patrol officers, kind of like your privates. There's going to be corporals, sergeants, lieutenants, captain, chief, maybe deputy chief before that. Um, it d- depends. I mean, every department kind of sets it up a little differently. But um, detective is interesting because it's a role outside of the hierarchy. So um, it is more of a – a lot of people will consider it a promotion, but it's really more of a side motion. Um, we, we exist in a support kind of role for patrol. Um, and so a lot of times you'll see departments will have – um, their investigations bureau or the criminal investigations division, which is what we call it here, CID. Uh, so you, I'll, I'll probably refer to it as CID, which okay. is criminal investigation division. Um, and they kind of exist uh, almost independently. So it's, a lot of times they'll have their own hierarchy. So you have detectives, then you might have a detective sergeant, hmm. um, a lieutenant that oversees that, or a captain that oversees that um, division. Um, and that's kind of how we have it set up here. So, and how many yeah. people are in the CID for the Central Point Police Department? So, Central Point, we technically have four um, detectives. There's only two of us that are doing general investigations. One is an assignment with the U.S. Marshals, so he's um, he is a U.S. Marshal as well as a detective through Central Point. He has to go mm-hmm. through their background um, process, and he's been here for years, so um, he's done ours, of course. 
And then we have another one who just recently got a, uh, it's a detective designation, but he's working with the DEA. Hmm. So, um, but specifically, is that kind right? Of, okay. And then we have a lieutenant that oversees us. Okay. So it almost sounds like specializing, right? Like, so yeah. I'm assuming this requires a lot of training and certification. Um, when when does that process start for you uh, as a new patrol agent? Mm-hmm. And you you know that that's the direction you want to go. How far into your career can you make that? Yeah, choice? that's a great. Uh, that's what it I was is, wondering. It, it's a great question. It, it depends a lot on the department um, that have different requirements. Typically, you're going to see about three to five years before you're eligible to to put in for okay. CID. So someone can't. Um, Get out of the academy and go straight into that. right, and it's actually okay. funny because a lot of times when I'll do, um, we'll do the SOU lock in um, at the Southern Oregon University, and I, I'll teach a class about crime scene investigations, and a lot of times I'll, I'll do the you know introductions, and then I want to hear why every, I'll introduce myself, and then I want to hear why each person in each you know, class is interested in in um, investigations, and a lot of times they'll say that they want to become a detective, but they don't want to be a police officer. Well, that's not possible. Right. Okay. <laughs> you gotta start okay. That's interesting yeah. to know though. Yeah. yeah. Um, now, obviously there's, there's some federal investigator positions that might be a little bit different, but even then you typically will start at whatever the beginning level is. So, if, you know, the FBI, you'll start as an agent before you become a special agent. Mm-hmm. Um, and so a lot of people, but a lot of people do, they think that you have, you can start right in an investigations and no, you're going to, you kind of have to show an aptitude that you're good at that, that that's something you're interested in. That was always a goal for me personally. I love, I, and I mentioned that in, a, I think the SRO. I think podcast. you did. Right. Yeah. yeah. That, yeah. Um, unlike Robbie who wanted to be an SRO, I wanted to be a detective right away, but I knew I had to work to, to get there. Um, so I would make sure that I did a thorough job in my reports that I, I would, I did well-written reports, um, that my investigations were solid. Um, I try to, you, you try to do as good of a job on your case as possible, not only to do a good job with it, but also to keep it out of court, the better quality sure, yeah. investigations you do and reports you do, the less likely are you going to have to defend it in court. Um, so I really, you know, for me, and I, I know a lot of other people that went to detectives that you really make that effort to, to do as solid as you can with the cases you get in patrol and not just like, okay, I've got this felony case. I'm going to send it to de- the detectives, <laughs> tongue tied here. <laughs> the detectives, you're going to try to handle as much of it as possible before somebody tells you to send it off to detectives. So, um, you got to show that kind of passion towards it. Um, it makes sense. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And then once there's a, there's a process, like I said, it's usually three to five years. I think that's what it is here. Um, before you can even apply, I think it's three, um, before you can even apply for it. And then of course you got to compete with some of your, your coworkers that might be interested in it. Are and those then, positions I assume that aren't always open that are only open yeah. at certain, I mean, so there could be, they're sought you out. You may there. have to wait for this because it, it right. until that there's an opening. Right. Yep. 100%. So there, there could be years and years before that position even opens up because it isn't, it's a position that people want. Um, and it's a title that you want. You know, I, I often joke that, my my wife started loving me more when I became a detective because she gets involved. <laughs> she was married to one. Um, That's funny. It is, sounds cooler, right? I mean, it sounds cooler than you know, sergeant and lieutenant. They're they're higher positions, but they don't sound as cool. <laughs> I think, I think that goes back to the the social understanding of what a detective is from movies 100%. and TV. Yeah, like there are a lot of cool characters who are detectives. Mm-hmm solving crimes in these shows or movies but yeah they don't make a sexy show about a patrol uh, a traffic patrol officer typically but, not yeah, don't tell know, that to right, a traffic right. guy but, yeah. i mean i'm not saying it's a real reflection <laughs> right, but that, right. like tom's saying it's a yeah. it's a narrative that's built that we don't really know 
if it's based on reality. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Detectives could be the, the least intelligent for all we know. We, <laughs> right. we don't know. <laughs> right. Hey, Can I ask a question? Batman to put you on the, detective. <laughs> I want to put you on the, on the spot a little bit. Sure. Do you think, I mean, cause there's a lot of careers and jobs where you do have to serve a certain amount of time uh, or take certain classes yeah. where when you get to that point, you can honestly, if you're being honest and reflective, you can look back and go, I didn't need that. Like mm -hmm. that didn't really serve me to get to this position. I just had to do it. Hmm. Do you think a detective is a role where actually doing that work and learning the other aspects of policing, it actually serves a purpose to make you a better detective? Yeah. Um, so I, I think what you're getting at is maybe just putting a little bit more effort into right. a lot of your cases. So yeah, uh, for me, um, you know, I knew that handling felony cases as best as I could before they were taken away from me, it was important to me. So I would fight to keep those cases. Now, a lot of times you're working night shift or something, you can't do as much follow up. So it, it can be more difficult, but, but yeah, you're, you, a lot of it is just showing that interest at, um, right. towards those cases at an early stage. And do you think the skills um, you learn by doing that translated to make you yeah, better at that so job? You're going to it's, it's cutting your teeth. Sure. I mean, you know, exactly. you're handling smaller things, but putting in the same level of effort is, is going to train you for when you do get those homicides or the, the, the bigger, more traditional cases that you would go to a detective. Um, so taking a theft one of property extremely seriously and not that anybody won it, but, but putting in that extra I understand, effort, yeah. um, is going to allow you to kind of develop some of those investigative skills because patrol officers are great investigators too. Sometimes they just can't dedicate the amount of time needed for a case. And that's why it goes to the detectives. Interesting. Um, but uh, yeah, you, you've got to show it that you're passionate about that in an early stage. And every, every department has its own requirements for what it takes to be a detective. And a lot of it is, is going to be, more subjective than objective, you know, the, after they do interviews, whatever that process might be um, for that position, they're going to talk, you know, they're going to look at work history. They're going to look at the effort you put into cases and they make those determinations. So it's not just based on your interview, but also what they know about you because gotcha. it's within your own department. So it's pretty comprehensive. Yeah. Yeah. It absolutely. sounds similar to like when you're in college, the general ed courses that you take, they may not necessarily apply to the career path that you're taking, but uh, if you want to get there, mm -hmm. you have to put in the work. Right. Um, do you ever get people that find their way into the, the, the detective training, um, but maybe haven't yet put in enough work, and that becomes apparent sort of halfway through their training? As, and then what happens to those individuals? Like, do they ever kind of wash out or step back? Yeah, that's a good question. We don't experience a lot of that here because, again, where there's, there's only a limited amount of positions right. and people get into those positions for a long time. Okay. So I haven't necessarily seen that um, here. Um, I, I think that, you know, some of the bigger departments might run into that. And, um, you know, I, I wish I could say that from a, a personal experience, but I just haven't. Sure. Well, um, maybe it's good. The yeah. scarcity of the jobs, specifically the detective positions, means that it's very competitive. You guys are mm -hmm. all working hard to get them. Right. And, and I think that would, I think a lot of it's going to be self-correcting. So I think a lot of people will, um, I, I, you know, I can't think of anything necessarily offhand, but there'll be times where people will get into the position thinking that it's one thing and not realizing because we are on call. We're going to, our schedules are not always solid. Um, you have a good schedule and when it's not busy, it's great. You're working kind of banker hours, but you might get that call at two in the morning that there was a homicide right. or there was a major incident. Mm -hmm. Um, you might even have to be sent to another state or something to go find somebody. So, um, 
you know, working on call can be very difficult and people might think that it's, they have an expectation of it. And then once they start doing it in practice, it's like, wow, this is a lot harder than I thought it was. I would rather go back to patrol and, um, have a little bit more of a steady schedule. Is that Um, a possibility? Uh, I I mean, maybe in general, do officers do that from time to time, go from patrol to detective. Is that something that happens? Oh yeah. We've had people, um, where they, they've self-recognized that this isn't maybe exactly where they wanted to be and they'll go back to a patrol position. Okay, good. Um, and you know, they'll, they'll, they'll do well. Now what's great about that is they have had some experience in investigations that they can now bring back to patrol and, Mm. and share there. And it makes the patrol, um, beginning of reports and, and investigations that much stronger for CID when we get it later on. Gotcha. So I don't necessarily think it's a bad thing if somebody does kind of step into the CID world for a little while, recognize that maybe this isn't, this isn't exactly what I want and goes back. It makes, I think all of us stronger in some departments. And I, I'm hoping that we do it someday. We'll even have a rotating detective position where it's like a two or three year oh, assignment. Wow. You come in, you get some skills, go back and then somebody else comes in so that now you have, a department that has a lot more people that have CID experience. Yeah. Hmm, and that's interesting. very valuable. That's awesome. Yeah. And so how long was your path from patrol agent? Is that right? Is that, am I saying that correctly? Uh, patrol, patrol officer, patrol yeah. officer mm-hmm. to a detective. Yeah. Um, it was about four years. Okay. Um, I think so. I technically started in 2000, early 2011 and then September of 2015 is when I made detective. It's almost um, four years exactly. Yeah. yeah. So I've, I've now spent more time in CID than I was in patrol. There are things I miss a lot from patrol. There's, there's a lot more dynamic, a lot more action, you know, <laughs> but, um, yeah, you know, so you never knew what your day was going to bring. CID is kind of feast or famine. There'll be a lot of times where there's just nothing going on. And we'll even get teased about it. Oh, you guys aren't doing anything, you know. And <laughs> Which is a really good problem to have. It's a very good <laughs> right. problem to have. For but, a community, at least. Right, right. That's right. What I exactly. Mean. <laughs> yeah. But when stuff hits the fan, mm-hmm. it's all hands on deck. It is a lot of work. You're putting in sometimes unbelievable amount of hours, not getting a lot of sleep. Um, because when something really bad happens, you don't just get to go home and take a break from it. You're working it until you, there's nothing left to work. And uh, for us here, one great thing about Jackson County is we have the MADU team, which is the Major Assault Death Investigation Unit. So we will borrow detectives and and let each other borrow detectives when there's major crimes or major situations throughout the valley. Um, So Jackson County might have a shooting out on a marijuana grow. We're likely going to go to it. Um, so long as we're able to and, and vice versa. So we might have, you know, something bad here, a shooting or something detectives from Medford, Jazz County, Ashland, um, might come here to assist us. So that kind of is a force multiplier and it allows each of us to get more experience that we might otherwise not have had. So it's, it's, it's beneficial for all the agencies. So in a situation where you're doing something as Madu, mm-hmm. um, and it's taken you out of central point to yep. go and participate. Who is responsible for running that? So it depends. Um, typically, it's the agency of where it took place, so okay. the jurisdiction. Now, you might have a, an agency like Eagle Point that doesn't have investigators, and they'll ask for Madu to come and assist. That's normally going to be run under um, the sheriff's office because mm. okay. they kind of have the more broader scope of jurisdiction. So all the cities here are, are part of Jackson County. So typically that was what it's going to be. But if it's, you know, if it's Medford and they do a Madu call out, Medford's going to run the show. Now in the cases of an officer involved shooting, for example, you know, if that officer involved shooting happens in Medford, 
then a, a bigger agent, or not necessarily bigger, but another agency typically is going to be Jackson County or Oregon State Police that are going to call the shots. And then they'll still do a Madu call out and we'll go to it, but it, it's not going to be the home agency in that case. Hmm. I like that. That's it. I mean, I, I would only think that brings strength from having the ability to use other agencies that are, I mean, we're all close, yeah. but we're all our own entities. Sure. Right. And I think that would just, I would hope it would build community, mm-hmm. but it would also just bring different strengths and different approaches that would, should make us as citizens feel good about that. You know, like yeah. Oh, yeah, we're, sure. we're being protected yeah. and looked over by more than just one group of people. Right. right? And what's nice is, you know, a major issue happens in central point. You can know that central point's still going to handle the case. We're still going to be in charge of the lead agency, but we're also having access to a lot more resources that we right. might not otherwise have. Right. So that's, that's good from both perspectives there that we're not losing control over our own community, but we're also able to use things that we might not have, whether it be time or even equipment. Um, there's, you know, we don't have drones as of right now to map out a crime scene, but Jass County Sheriff's Office does. So if we need to map out a huge crime scene, we can use, we now have access to their equipment and their manpower. And so. it sounds like most agencies in the Valley are willing to help one another out. Yeah. So yeah. we have, uh, we have, uh, mutual aid, uh, agreements right. to do that. So MOUs and, um, so we've all agreed to, to make that happen. So as long as their investigators are available, we'll pay for the overtime or whatever to assist each other. Great. Um, and so as you know, central point will pay their detectives, Jackson County will pay their detectives, but we all agree that we'll do that. It's not, it, it's not abuse. It, it is, you know, we will all make sure that we're accountable for our time and our, our efforts there. But, um, you know, we, it's such a huge resource and it, it honestly is my favorite thing that I'm involved in is Madu. Um, hmm. it, there's such good camaraderie, um, all, all of us get along extremely well. Um, there's no, there's no, there's no ego. We, we all bounce ideas off of each other and willing to listen. It, I absolutely love being a part of the Madu team and, and the citizens of Jackson County are very fortunate that our agencies get along that well. Well, that's what yeah. I was thinking. I mean, yeah. I, I imagine in some places that could be a recipe for disaster. It could be. Yeah. It's not <laughs> so, here though. Yeah. So what a blessing. Yeah. yeah. That's awesome. Well, I'm thinking about the job itself, and I still I have a lot of questions about For sure. you know what that is like. But before I get to that, I was wondering, you mentioned kind of specialties within detective work. You, mm-hmm. you mentioned homicide. I know that there are um, more financial type crimes. Sure. or you know, White collar versus blue yeah, collar. Yeah, what are kind of specialty areas for yeah. a detective in a local police department? So with us, we're general investigators. We just don't have a big enough division to okay. be super specialized. So we're kind of a jack of all trades. Um, but a lot of times you'll see detectives that are more specialized in homicide or um, kind of special victims, um, you know, sex crimes, that sort of thing. Um, child crimes. No, I say child abuse. Um, yeah. You'll see financial detectives or property crime detectives. Mm-hmm. Um, so the, it, it just depends on what the community needs too. There, there's some certain things that maybe aren't as big of a deal here right um, okay um, that we don't have specialized units for or are only now becoming a big deal like, the like human cannabis there yeah well <laughs> yeah so we got the right. imet team being formed with the jackson county sheriff's office they're going to be kind of specializing on cannabis um you know we have drug teams that are mm-hmm. specifically looking at hardcore drugs you know meth uh, uh heroin cocaine that sort of thing so like like madge Madge is made up by detectives. Um, and that, that's another, like, we don't currently have anybody in Madge right now, but that is a multi-jurisdictional team 
um, Medford kind of, you know, they, they host it and they have the majority, but they, the other agencies can participate in that. Um, and that's the Medford area drug and gang, gang. enforcement. Yeah. So, um, you'll have the, the detectives are specialized in that with central point. There's really only two of us that are doing general investigations right now. So anything can fall to so you. So anything can fall to us. Yeah. So we kind of have to be ready to respond to that. And, and there are times where that can be frustrating because it is very different mindset thinking about a sex crime than a financial crime. Of course. Um, it's hard to feel and how to equally switch. Are, right, how to switch. They're equally yeah. important, right. you know, because they're both situations where the law was broken and crimes mm -hmm. were committed, but one is, you know, a, a crime against a human. Yeah. Yeah, it's yeah. I and, imagine it's very difficult. Interviewing people in those crimes are different too. Like interviewing a suspect is very different than interviewing a victim. Mm, right. Um, yeah. So you have to be ready on that. So we're, we're constantly going to trainings, you know, whether they be brand new things, skills or ideas that we're not used to, or just refreshing because, you know, we have to be ready for all those different types of crimes. And that is another part that's really nice about being a part of the Madu team, for example, is because we don't get a ton of shootings. We don't get a ton of homicides here, thank God. Mm -hmm. um, but we still need to be ready how to, how to respond to those mm. when they do happen. So being able to go to other agencies and be able to kind of you know leech off of some of their cases to gain experience is invaluable. Um, Interesting. Yeah. I imagine one of the hardest parts, at least as I'm hearing it, and especially the way Tom asked that question, was the the mindful approach it takes to change that hat from this type of investigation to this type of investigation right that's probably not easy it's know, not like to, yeah, to change yeah. mindsets and approach and and interrogation methods and all mm. of these things because this is a different type of i bet that takes some time to yeah. and a discipline to do yeah it does and, and the more years you do it obviously just like anything the the better you get at doing that the, the more uh, you develop that skill to be able to switch kind of mindsets. And, you know, we were talking earlier about, you know, going from, you know, just uh, last, all last week we were on an online Zoom conference for training. And then, you know, we come to work this week and we had a, a missing kid, um, severely autistic kid that went missing that um, kind of at first you, you're thinking, oh, okay, we'll find her because that, that's what happens all the time. We find the kid. You know, it doesn't usually take very long. It's usually something basic, like they're in the backyard or they wander down the street. We'll right. find them walking. But as time goes on and we're not finding this kid, you start to like, okay, changing your mindset. And so you went from sitting in front of a desk watching right. you Great know, example. instructors all day to, okay, now I'm in the, mo the, the mode of looking for a kid. And what, what do we need to do next? What's going to be the next? If we don't find this kid in the next, you know, X amount of time, we're going to have to start upping the ante. We're going to have to start taking it more seriously. And luckily, you know, we were able to find the kiddo at McDonald's eating uh, chicken nuggies. But right. yeah, <laughs> so yeah. ended up being up. But we were starting to get to that point right. where enough it's time had gone by. The yeah, enough time had gone by where we're going to have to start. You know, uh, yeah, like you said, escalating our efforts and uh, completely switching how we think about this case. Mm. Um, and then you know, so you might have that, and then the next thing that comes out is a, a bank robbery, and now you have to switch to that exactly. mindset. Exactly, you know? I've so never thought about how hard that must be. It can be, yeah, mm -hmm. especially when it's happening very dynamically and quickly, and you never know. And that, that's that's true from patrol to detectives mm -hmm. all the way to being chief. Is you never know what your day is going to be, so you kind of have to be ready to to switch mm -hmm. on a on a moment's notice. Wow. wow. Yeah. So you're spinning a lot of plates at any one given time. How many? Um, how many cases, like open cases, open or? cases, are you typically on average managing? Gosh, I, I don't know. Have um, you ever looked at that? Like uh, this week is an average week, and I have, yeah. I have five open cases or something like that. 
You know, again, it's, it's feast or famine. Um, it's hard for me to say on average. I mean, I, I would say you know, normally maybe three or four okay. that are open at a given time. But there, there's times where I'll have cases that are open for months, if not years, right. depending on the scenario. And then there's other times where I can you know wrap up a case in a f- couple days. Um, and, and sometimes, you know, we'll get um, – a case you think is wrapped up and then new information comes out years later, you know, mm-hmm. or um, you think is going to be a really big deal, but it, it's, it's solved very quickly. You know, I can think of a time where um, we had a, some gentlemen, I'll use that term loosely. <laughs> I came up here from Texas to do an armed robbery on uh, somebody who had a legal marijuana grow. Um, and they did an armed robbery and, and stole marijuana and money uh, from these folks. And it was completely illegal what they did. And, um, <clears throat> you know, we're thinking this is going to be going on forever. And I was able to wrap up, you know, pretty quick. We found the guys on the freeway, got into a... You're like, wow, that was easy. Yeah, so we got... <laughs> but then, so there, there we get them arrested. OSP gets into a pursuit with them that night. And we get them in custody. Come to find out both these guys don't want to talk. Come to find out that I, I have a friend who gives me a call and says, hey, I got video surveillance of these two guys, of the, the, those guys that came into my Napa auto store to get like a headlight. Um, but they were with a third guy. Uh, mm-hmm. Okay. Can you, can I get video of that? Yeah, we'll give you video. So we look at the video. Sure enough, there's a third guy with them and the victims had mentioned that they thought maybe there was three, but they weren't sure. And, um, and I could be remembering some of these details as years ago, a little bit hazy, but, but the, the basic outline of the stories, we thought this thing was wrapped up in one night and it this was months later, or, you know, days later. Um, and so I start working on trying to identify this guy. And uh, he was wearing a very distinctive hoodie uh, that I could see was from a, a, a fighting gym um, down in Fort Worth, Texas. So I was able to contact detectives in Fort Worth, Texas, who were able to identify the guy for me ultimately. Um, then we had other tips come in, some anonymous tips. That this guy was so-and-so and ended up matching. And so I, I looking for him. We get an extraditable warrant, but he's not found for a while. And then eventually, it wasn't Fort Worth, I don't believe. I think it was another um, town next to Fort Worth. But their detectives happened to come across this guy in another case. They arrested him. We were able to transport him back. And it was almost two years later by that point. Wow. <laughs> so Whoa. it was like a case. This is going to be long. Quick, long. Yeah. yeah. So <laughs> you never tough. really know. Um, you know, so that case went from Interesting. being wrapped up in a night to, oh, there's new information a few days later to two years later, we finally get our guy. And, right. and again, I could be remembering some of those details a little bit off. But it's but, a good picture of how it works. It's right. not a standard protocol of you do this for a week, you do this for a week, right. and, this, and then it's closed. So yeah, right. so it was a case I thought was pretty much done, wrapped up, and then it wasn't, then it was, then it wasn't. Right. <laughs> so Man. it's kind of all over the place. You just give me more questions. So I have to ask these yeah. or else I'm going to forget. In, in the situation that you just laid out, uh, initially, you had those two suspects. Mm-hmm. Are, are you holding them until the case is closed when you found the third suspect two years later? Like, what so, happens? Yeah, they were all tried independently. So they okay. all had those, the other guys, they didn't want to talk about who the third person was. They wouldn't give me any information. I was able to find out independently of them. So they had already um, been litigated by the time we got the third um, suspect. And um, I don't remember if there was deals made later on where, you know, this one of them would talk, they'd get less time. There may have been, I, I can't recall in this particular case, but, um, but the, at the time when we were looking for the third suspect, they didn't want to, sure. The, you know, they, they shut down and said gotcha. there was nobody, but. So what made it closed? Like what makes any case be closed? Is it when the um, bad guys quote unquote are caught? It's tough to say. I mean, it, it depends on what you mean by the word closed for, for me. Um, 
you know, we might close a case out if if we can find there's allegations made and I can pretty much 100% prove that these allegations are not true or there was no crime. I might Found it, it or unfound yeah, it. Right? Yeah, then it might close it out. A lot of times we'll leave a case inactive or we think something happened, we just don't have enough information to go forward with anything or we don't have a suspect at the point. We just have a description. We might make it inactive um, depending on the severity of the case. Are those like um, cold cases like from TV? Yeah, sort of. Inactive kind of just means maybe it, it kind of covers a wide breadth of, of meaning. Um, you know, if we do have, uh, a case where a cold case is typically going to be left open for the most part. Okay. Um, it's different it, than inactive. Uh, it, typically. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Cause we, we might have all this great information. We just don't have the, the linchpin, the, the last thing to really close that case up. Um, or yeah, there, there's a, we, a homicide, but we just don't have any information on a suspect, you know, so it might be left open. Uh, a good example of that might be like, a you know, right now the um, Alameda fire case mm. is still open, you know, oh. um, so it's still being investigated. Maybe not as actively as at first right. because you don't have anything, but it's left open because inevitably there's still questions hoping that right. there's going to be you know, more information. So good example. Um, so that might be a good example. Yeah. So it, it kind of just depends. Um, you know, you might have a case that's pretty open and shut where um, a, a, an example I can think of is we had a guy do an armed robbery at the Dutch Brothers a few years back. And um, Dutch Brothers had fantastic camera. Their cameras were high, high def, 4K cameras at a very appropriate eye level where we can get all kinds of details of this dude's face. You know? <laughs> like, like, oh, this actually worked perfectly. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so we put it out there. We get him identified almost immediately. L you know, later that night, we get him identified. Later on that week, I'm able to get, we're able to work tips to find out where he's been hiding in this cabin out in the middle of nowhere out in the county. I, I can't remember exactly where, but so we got a search warrant for the house, went up there with uh, Madge because they helped out with the, the search warrant and uh, Jackson County SWAT team. So we went in there, the guys there, we get him. It's him. He admits to it. There is nothing left outstanding on this case. So by the arrest, it's closed. Gotcha. But then it, it's still like it hasn't been litigated yet. You know, mm -hmm. I mean, it has now, but at the time. So right, right. That's kind of another like, well, it's not really necessarily. It's closed for report purposes. And for investigation For purposes. investigation purposes, likely. But it still has to go through the litigation process. It still has to go through court. You know, so. So it's a lot different already than, <laughs> right. than the presentation sure. to the viewer watching movies and TV. <laughs> right. Like yeah. there's open cases, cold cases, and closed cases, yeah. and then the X-Files, right? Right, 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 right? They're all in different cabinets, right? Yeah, is the key right, word. Yeah, yeah. But none of, the that, out there. none of that exists downstairs <laughs> right. here at the police department. Like you don't have special file cabinets that are marked and you guys thumb through them and you get bored and oh I had an idea it's yeah. not like well that. i mean kind of we keep those things digital now of course right. uh, so we can look up what cases are inactive which ones are open which ones are closed um and then it you know for detectives it's a little bit different uh, patrol can get they can move through their cases pretty quick on status you know closed open inactive ours are like i said there's times where i i have cases that are multiple years old that i'm still technically open that we're still mm -hmm. investigating um, so it, that's a little bit more on us and that's kind of where, you know, sometimes detectives, because we have more time, we have more freedom. Um, we also have a little bit more responsibility though, to keep track of our own stuff. Whereas patrol, it's a, it's a more cut and dry. They have their spreadsheet and it's all listed. They have their, their supervisors are keeping track and making sure that things aren't left open. That shouldn't be left open. Um, we're CID, 
it's a lot more self-management when it's it comes a different, to that. It's a different beast, though. Yeah, I can it's, see why. it's just right. different. It's yeah. not because we're better or smarter or anything like that. It's just different. The, the mm-hmm. whole nature of it is different. Um, that's why we have those cases, right. the cases that can't just be closed real quick or made inactive real quick. They're going to take more effort. And is that the distinction when um, an event happens that it gets turned over to the CID? Mm-hmm. Like this is something that the patrol officers cannot deal with or yeah. finish up. Yeah. That then it will automatically go to CID? To some extent, yeah. I mean, some of it um, is policy. Um, oh, okay. You know, sex crimes, child crimes, child abuse, Got child it. sex crimes are going to come to us. No, that's a matter of policy. They're just going to. Okay. Um, and then obviously like homicides, major assaults. Then you have some of them where some of the property crimes, financial crimes, where patrol can work, but maybe they don't have that ability. Like night shift guys, we're probably going to get a little bit more help with. Uh, we're going to give more help with because they just don't have the ability to. You, you come in at work at six o'clock at night when businesses are right, closing up. Right. How can you follow up with that? So we're going to help out a little bit more than maybe we would with day shift. Um, who has a little bit more ability to work some of those cases. So it's like logistics thing. Right? Yeah, yeah. Or you might have sometimes where patrol is just kind of stuck on something. And they look, you know, they ask you for help and then you decide to start helping them with a case. Um, maybe you get involved a little bit earlier than you might otherwise normally because there is some kind of like unique difficulty of this that isn't necessarily something you foresee. Um, and you can offer some of that guidance and help with it. Or um, for some reason, you just have an interest in this case that maybe you wouldn't normally Um and so there, there's not like a, there are some things that are cut and dry. We know for sure are coming to us. And right. then there's other things that are just kind of like, you know, we might jump on and help and we might not depending on the scenario. So it's de- gotcha. depending. Yeah. This is so interesting. I know. I, and, I hope and, so. <laughs> and no, it really is. And I think it will be interesting for anyone listening because I think we all have a picture in our mm-hmm. mind. I think why it's so interesting, we don't all have a picture in our mind how everything in the world, but we have a picture of what a detective is yeah. because of mm-hmm. a movie or a TV show. So I got a question that I, I've been brewing here in my head. Kind of when it's portrayed by Hollywood, you kind of have one of two ends of the spectrum. You have right. like uh, the rogue detective, right? right. right? That's yeah. like, like kind of just barely skirts the rules and follows yeah. the rules. It has, you know, one-liner zingers that, mm-hmm. that they throw out there, but right. they always have the ability to do, or you have like the, uh, the, the overly studious detective, yeah. right. That is just facts, numbers, crunching, you know, I, I'm, I'm sure there's truth in all of those, but in your mind, as someone who's seen it and done it, what, of those abilities that lie in there, what actually makes a good detective? Sure. You know, not according to Hollywood, yeah. but, but real life skills that yeah. you think these are what you need if you want to do CID work. Yeah, that, that's a great way of framing that crash question. So the rogue cop, uh, rogue detective doesn't exist. You'd be, <laughs> right. <laughs> you'd be fired immediately. <laughs> um, but some of the, the idea behind that, that kind of thinking outside the box, um, being willing to try different approaches and ideas and things that that part of it is true i think that's a, a skill that most detectives kind of inherently have right um and it was just probably why they're kind of drawn to that that line of of police work um and then the stoic you know very uh, just the facts ma'am some of that's true in the fact that you're analytical right. you're going to think things through logically you're going to be kind of methodical in the way you approach things but you're never going to be that stoic or that non-personal because robotic. The, yeah. The biggest part of being a detective is talking to people. Mm. So if you don't have an ability to reach people with words, you, you're, you're not articulate. 
Um, and maybe that's not completely fair, but you, you don't have any charisma or ability to talk. Relation, not, relational yeah, skills. You're not right? going to get very far. Sure. Um, because again, we go back to that. Talking to suspects and victims is very different. But the one thing you have in common with all of it is the ability to talk. Mm. And you're going to elicit a lot more information when you can find a way to reach somebody, whether they be your suspect or victim. And, and you know, you're going to catch a lot more flies with honey than vinegar kind of thing. Right. So, um, and that's true in all aspects of it. If you don't have the ability to, this, this is really important when you're talking to victims and survivors of, of terrible, tragic events. If you don't have the ability to be a soft talker and be able to like understand trauma and, um, really kind of reach them on an emotional level, you are not going to be successful. You're going to shut them down. And now they're not maybe even subconsciously going to want to talk to you or, or, or be a very good witness for you. Sure. So that is a, a very um, necessary skill, you necessary think? skill. And I, and I think innate ability that you, mm. you better have yeah. or have, have worked on because that, that can be hard to teach. Um, teaching how to interrogate is a little bit easier, but teaching how to soft talk is not and trauma, be trauma informed and trauma informed. Things, yeah, right. Yeah. Absolutely. Excellent. That's a good point. Yeah. Interesting. What about those skills that are more um, gritty? And what I mean is I know from talking to other people in other organizations that solve crimes. Yeah. Sometimes you have to do things like dig through trash mm -hmm. or uh, wade through logs of phone calls or internet uh, searches, things that you don't want to see or yeah. do, things that you don't want to be touching in a, in a trash can, sure. but it's all part of solving cases. Is that stuff that you really have to do in CID? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Um, the trash thing's funny. Uh, you, <laughs> I've gone through way more trash than I've ever wanted to. And <laughs> that sometimes that wasn't taught in, in yeah, the academy? <laughs> yeah. That, sometimes that's not trash in front of a can. That's just trash at a house, you know, depending mm -hmm. on the condition of the home. Interesting. Um, yeah. We go to some pretty ugly places uh -huh. um, and, and have to go through quite a bit of, of nasty things, and including in the digital spectrum. I mean, right. you're exposed to things that are otherwise illegal, uh, child porn being right. one of them. Um, right. Unfortunately, there are times where through your investigation, you have to see that whether you want to or not. Mm -hmm. yeah, and that can be traumatic. And I, and I don't think a lot of people quite understand how difficult that particular topic can be. Um, I've had uh, child porn cases where we're asked to describe the images on a, on a phone and I have to write that down. And that's stuck. You know, that, that gets in your head. And yeah. you you better have an outlet for that. Right. Because that can get pretty especially when secondary you're a, trauma. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Especially sure. when you're a father or um Yeah. You know, you're just in general, just you just care about kids. Yeah, 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 exactly. Um that can be hard to see and then to stay normal afterwards. So um, you know, the the nice thing is a lot of departments and ours included will have access to mental health excellent help. You know, should you need it, um, support teams, support teams, like yeah. Good, so, good. so that's available out there. But yeah, so and of course, traumatic, you know, situations where people's bodies have just crime been mangled, scenes, yeah. crime scenes. Yeah, it's just it's super sad, and uh, we're the ones that have to see a lot of that. We have to take pictures of that. We have to document that. Mm -hmm. um, you know, patrol does too on a, on a smaller level, so they they are often the first ones to the scene. But we're the ones kind of wading through it and spending a lot of time with it. Yeah, um, and that that can be tough. I mean, mm. I won't lie. That can be that could be like you said, secondary trauma, um, for sure. So um, some of that gritty stuff is nasty. But you know, when I first became a detective, um, you know, chief the chief was a detective, and I think yeah, that's still where her heart really is. I think she loves it. Um, she'd be the first to say it. Um, so she gave me a lot of great advice. You know, mm. from a personal and one of the one of the things that she said was. You know, keep in mind through all this that you're one of the few people that can actually help in these scenarios that a lot of people might want to 
lot of people are going to say, you know, and, and genuinely they're gonna say thoughts and prayers and they're going to be there emotionally and they're, they're um, they have good intentions, but you can actually mm. do something um, for victims of crime. So that's a purpose. That keeps you kind of grounded. Right. Yeah. 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 It gives you kind of a win. Like people can go through something traumatic and if you can be there for them, um, that's a huge deal. Or if you can find justice for something, that's a huge deal. Wow. So that, that kind of keeps you focused and not getting lost in all that nastiness that you have to see. Mm -hmm. It's interesting. The, the real heart of compassion, I think sounds like required in detective work or good detective work in good detective <laughs> right, work. Right. right. Uh, you, you care so much about the people who are affected by these things that you put yourself through whatever is required to help them. Yeah. That is definite. That message is definitely lost in media. Like I, I don't see that story. I, I see um, cops in TV and movies that get pissed off with the system, so they have to circumvent it to solve a crime. Right. Or they have to outsmart policy so that they can solve a crime. Right. Or whatever, but it's not from a heart of compassion and empathy. I, empathy. That's yeah. just so interesting to hear you say that. Yeah. And, and those kind of things they just don't happen. You, you know, nobody does. I mean, if you did, you, you, you wouldn't last. So oh, you, I you do work you. within the system. Yeah. So, and that can be tough. There are times where you, know, you really wish that. I could do something more, but you're kind of stuck. And so and that goes back to communicating. Um, sometimes there's the answer that a victim wants is not an answer you can give because it's just not possible. You don't have the evidence to, to put somebody away, you know, it, and I'll often say that it's not what I know. It's what I can prove. Um, there's a big difference there. That's a, that's, it is. That's a really it's, it's interesting wow. phrase. And, so, <laughs> yeah. and, and people get lost in that too. I mean, that, that comes down to the court system, that whole, well, they were found innocent. No, they were found not guilty. There's a huge difference there. Just because somebody was found not guilty doesn't mean they didn't do it. Um, and they did it. Yeah, I'm not saying it means that they did it also, but it's right. not the same as being found innocent. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And so sometimes, you know, you'll have to find other wins. Like if, if I can at least validate a victim maybe, and, and this is coming kind of more like the abuse and, and sex crimes kind of thing, but if I can validate somebody, if I can at least listen to them and, and help them as much as I possibly can, it might not always be the answer they want, but at least somebody's doing something. Mm -hmm. And a lot of times it's when I, I had a, um, an individual who, um, you know, unfortunately we weren't able to get enough evidence to, to bring justice in the way we would like to see it, um, with an arrest. But, um, you know, I listened and, and she made a painting for me because wow. I made her feel so safe and she was an artist, you know, so wow. she made me a painting and it, God, man, how do you not let that tug well, in heartstrings? Cause I felt like a failure. I, I could not put this case together, but to her, I was, I was somewhere safe. You were a yeah. exactly so a safe that's place. A, that's wow. a win. I mean, to me, that's is almost as good as anything else, if not better than getting an arrest. Exactly. Yeah. Wow. So with all that you've learned so far as a detective, does it measure up to the perception you had of becoming a detective? In other words, you, you, you wanted to be one. Yeah. Now you are one. Right. Um, is it the same, better or worse than you had thought? Oh man, that's a good question. Um, <laughs> It's a little bit of all. I, I, uh, That's a fair answer. Yeah. I, it becomes the norm. I, you and I have talked about this before, but it, it's a job. Mm -hmm. you know? So to me, I forget that it's interesting to people because it's not interesting to me. I, I hate watching cop shows. You do it every shows. day. I hate right? watching, you yeah. hate watching cop shows. Yeah. That was one of my questions. Yeah. Okay. Um, so I, it becomes a norm. I, it's just it's my job. Mm -hmm. But um, so there are times where it's like, yeah, it, it isn't what I expected because it is just so blase and, and normal but then i remember what it was like to first get here mm -hmm. to first get hired as a police officer how exciting that was 
when I first started getting cases and doing a good job, how exciting that was. When I first made detective, that was probably one, I mean, aside from my kids and getting married and stuff, that was the, one of the happiest days of my life was making detective. Um, and how exciting that was. And the first time I had a case that I saw the way through with a good search warrant, it was successful. And that was all exciting. And I, I don't want to forget that. I try to remind myself of those things. So in, in a way, you know, it, it's become the norm and that can be kind of depressing to think about it that way. But other times you think about those little wins and like that thing today where, you know, we're looking for this girl who potentially is in danger. And on a hunch, I decided to go check McDonald's mm -hmm. thinking maybe the employee saw her there. Maybe she was going to the playground. As soon as I opened the door into McDonald's, I step in there. She is eating Happy Meal. That she's She's like, yeah, I'm like, oh, <laughs> man, that was, that was such a good feeling today. Yeah. Um, so those little things keep you going. Um, you know, I knew it wasn't going to be like the movies. I didn't know exactly what it was going to be like. I didn't know that. And, I would and be, thank God it's not. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Well, sometimes. Uh, um, I still like to be like John McClane. Okay, that's fair. Way. That's fair. Yeah. We all want that. Let's <laughs> right. be honest. I don't necessarily want to go. And to if you want us to call yeah. you that from now on, we can. Right, sure. Just yeah, there. Detective McClane. Yeah. <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, there, there's other things that are have made it better than what I expected. Um, and it's those little tiny, those human moments, those those moments where somebody does say thank you to you and actually mm. means it. And um, emotional validation yeah, too, absolutely I would imagine. Yeah. Yeah. That, that's far more rewarding exciting than anything john mcclain did on you know, <laughs> right. nakatomi palace <laughs> <laughs> although if you could go through the but, air vents right yeah. that would be yeah. <laughs> i would get stuck <laughs> again that's a movie <laughs> right 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 well i think what and and honestly I, I think tom and i have probably had this conversation together more than we have with you but the what we keep coming back to on all of these is how much bigger our appreciation grows for law enforcement when we actually learn what they do sure. and what you do. And Not, I think it's know? true for anything. And I, yeah. think, I yeah. think it is. And it, and it just so happens this podcast is right. about law right, enforcement. Right. And, and so hearing these kind of stories and these questions, I think for me at least, you know, is it different than Hollywood? Yes. Is it better and more important um, to our culture and our society, yes. You know, the things that you do, the gritty work, mm -hmm. the boring hours, mm -hmm. the late hours, you know, all of those things, like we take it for granted when we don't actually talk about what it really looks like and the value and the security that it brings to us as citizens. And so I'm just, I mean, just thank you mm -hmm. for one, that, from, yeah. from a citizen and a friend, like, thank you. Like you may not hear that enough. It might be a job where you don't hear that, but I just think it's, I think people... I think it's interesting to hear you you say, I just think it's boring. Who would want to hear this? And I think everyone right. that wants to hear this is like, <laughs> actually, I need to hear this. For Not sure. only do I want to, I need to. Because I, yeah. I think it's that important. It is funny, though, because like in patrol, I feel like my stories from patrol are more fun. <laughs> right. And <laughs> funny. Um, where some of my, my stories from um, detectives can be a little bit more depressing. Right. But on sense. the other hand, they can also be a lot more emotional. Um, like the painting I just shared about. You know, like yeah. I have that in my office still. It's Even amazing. finding that girl today. That's right. actually, as a dad, that's really emotional for me. Like, yeah. I'm so happy that that was the And resolution. that was everybody. I mean, we had all hands. Yeah. That was patrol, detectives, right. lieutenants, uh, everybody. The chief was going out looking. So that. I believe it. But yeah, so it was. Um, but yeah, for being a detective, though, it, it, um, some of those stories that you really have a lot more compassion because you are helping people in literally the worst moments of their lives, the trauma. Right. And those um, are stories you don't want to share. Right. Yeah. Right. Right. But it is neat. I mean, I get, I've had thank you letters, you know, um, 
people have written to me that I've helped, uh, I've saved, I've had, you know, our cards. Um, those are the kind of mementos that are far more valuable than anything else I would ever get. Um, to know that you actually made a difference and actually helped somebody is, is huge. Yeah. Um, or when they come in and say, thank you, it's, it's really, really touching. And I, mm-hmm. and I will forever be glad that I had that experience as a detective. And we're able to do that yeah. in that yeah. time and place. Right. Yeah. Man, that's awesome. It is. It's very awesome. And I agree. Thank you. But also, like, full disclosure, I was, there's a part of me that always looks for, ooh, I hope we get a juicy story. Yeah. Uh, because, I don't know, it just sounds more interesting. Sure. Mm-hmm. I'm actually very pleasantly surprised every single time we talk that the juicy story that I keep finding out is um, you people that work here for the police department really care a lot about doing things the right way for the community for the right reason for the right reason and i'm sure people listening to this think that we're front-loading these conversations to try to make the cops look good or whatever yeah um what's fun funny to me is that we're just having a conversation you're telling stories we're asking questions sure the information that comes out can't help but make cppd look good well i hope so <laughs> but but it's not because we're it's trying not we're not right, right. trying to make <laughs> yeah. you guys look good yeah. it's just it's really exciting that that is the state of things here that you guys really want to do what's right yeah. it's, it's just so great and you know i'm glad that i've met you and well, thank, thank you, you for doing your yeah. job yeah yeah well the, the truth the truth is refreshing when it's good truth right seriously so. yeah and you know we um People often think it's cliched, but in interviews for police officer, one of the things, why do you want to be a police officer? And um, man, it, it's the cliched answer is I want to help people, but that is the right answer. Right. And I will always stick to that. I want to hear some version of that mm. um, because, you know, trying to get clever or coming up with a lot of things. There might be something really cool, you know, like a, a family member was, or, you know, you grew up, those are all great. But at the end of the day, it better be, I want to help people because that is what this is. And I, I think I've said it before, the majority of our cases out there, a majority of our dealings with people are, are fine. They go totally normal. All you're doing is mediating an issue or, or giving a solution to a problem. And, it, and you go along with their day, the person goes along with their day. Um, so that better be good for right. you at some point because that is what you're going to be doing most of the time. Um, and there are moments where you get to be the hero and that's great, but majority of the time, no, you're just a community servant and you're just helping people and hopefully you're okay with that because <laughs> you're going to get bored real quick. If yeah, you're hopefully not. you yeah. meant it when you say, I want to help people. Right, right. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Well, thanks for helping people. Oh yeah. We appreciate you, yeah. it yeah. and look forward to the next conversation. Yeah, for sure. All right. Well, Bye. well, go have a good day. All right. You too. <laughs>